All right, welcome to a, a very special uh, round-robin version of Rinky Dinking and the continuance of just how odd and and somewhat bizarre this all is. It, it's a sunny, early afternoon, early evening, and uh, li- just listen to this, boys. Uh, again, Daryl Ray along with the great Mike Heike and Jeff Toler, Bubble Boy. Listen to this. Yeah? Yeah, that's I'm gonna. It's a Corona premiere, and uh, that because that's we're in summertime. This is what you do in the summertime. A little little uh, amber gold, and a ton of hockey on the menu on the docket, as they say. So why don't we start with last night? <laughs> since uh, since we're doing this right after the first game of this this round robin and we'll get into the whole round robin thing in a second, but maybe last night and in, in a way through two games, uh, we'll start with you senior reporter of greatness, Mike Heike, who just finished up his media availability. Uh, what, what's your takeaway here as they, as they prep for Colorado and, uh, and what did you find in the, in the exhibition game and then in the game against Vegas? Um, I'm such a fan, and and that's a problem. You shouldn't be that way. You should be a nice, you know, observer and and calm and everything like that. But I got sucked in. Nashville, eh, whatever. You know, I get it. There was a preseason, and Sagan wasn't there. But but I really – I got sucked in when they started playing well against Vegas in the second period. And I said, now that – that's what they can do. That's why you think they can win the whole thing. And then the air just goes out of the balloon, and you're like, oh, I forgot. This is sports. Right. That's right. You, you know, you got to wait 15 minutes for everything to change. And uh, that's what it did. And so then I don't know. I'm, I'm confused by the whole thing. You you were good, though. You were succinct and, and to the point in the post game, which is weird, too, where they're <laughs> they're sitting. They're a long way away from the camera. They're a long way away from one another. And then they're answering questions from from like space. Yeah, uh, but it but it was good. I mean, just get to the heart of what went wrong there in the in the third period. You're right. Two thirds awesomeness, right? Like I, they they really did look like the team that played so well in some stretches during the regular season. Like all the things that they did well for the most part were were in place. You know, their penalty killing was good. They're, they uh, they seemed to roll lines at least three of the four. Uh, and then a third of the game, it was as if just absolute rigor mortis set in. And they didn't skate. They didn't move the puck. Uh, they looked like they were drinking from the fire hose. Well, and so, so and it, was, it was tough to watch. Like, so first shot, first goal. How many times has that happened this year, yeah. right? Then yeah. three goals in six minutes. How many times has that happened this year? And you're just like, oh, that's who they are. They're, we've been on this roller coaster ride for 69 games and that is who they are. And it, I mean, that's what got them fourth in the West. And that's what has people saying, Oh, they're a really pretty good team. It's just, 
Yeah. You just got to ride it I, and ride the Bronco and hold on tight, I guess. Yeah. I kept thinking about the – I think every general manager and Jim Nils no different. They, they'll they tell you, man, your number one job at that position now is to manage expectations. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> you manage expectations because people want to get – uh, they want to get way too down when bad things happen, and they want to get uh, overly optimistic when you have a, a little bit of success. And it happened within one game <laughs> last night. <laughs> and and what, in the end, I mean, if they if they win the game, if they go on and win the game, you you know you come away with it going, well, boy, the FCC line was great, and they sort of did to a Vegas, very good Vegas team, what they usually do to the opposition. Uh, Bishop outdueled the Vezina finalist of a year ago uh, in his position, and they were able to do it without much from their two top forwards, and that top what would be their top line on paper in Sagan Ben and their leading goal scorer, Dennis Garionov, uh, because they, I mean, they were absent last night. They uh, there were, there were stretches where we we never said their name at all, even when they were on the ice. So um, unfortunately, you come out of it with a loss, and it it refines the the microscope a little bit because when you watch all these games, and you guys are probably doing the same thing that that I am. I'm sitting here right now. The Leafs are up two nothing on on Columbus, uh, and it's the goal scorers for Toronto in it pretty much a must win game are Matthews and Tavares. Yeah. So, and you know, McDavid in a must win game last night for Edmonton just takes it over. And and that that's, and I know we're not quite there yet. We're not into a, a playoff series like those teams are, but you, you're, you have to have those guys lead. They have to lead in, in play uh, and in production. Yeah, and I think the Jamie play in the Nashville series last year, it's, it's, you need that. You need that from one of those guys to just say, look, I'm the best player here, and I'm going to exert my you know, masculinity or my uh, A-type, and, and, and I'm going to win this game, or I'm going to make the play that, that really changes things. And, you know, what, the great thing about last night is you see glimpses of, hey, Pavelski could really help this thing. He wasn't here last year. And, hey, Perry could really help this thing. He wasn't here last year. And you're like, they could actually be better. And so that's when, again, you start getting all this you know, positive feeling, <laughs> and then the rug just gets yanked out. <laughs> when we were firing uh, text messages back and forth, they were basically two things I wanted uh, out, of, out of this today, and that was – uh, I wanted I wanted you, Mike, to tell us why the stars need to be blown up. That this is going nowhere. <laughs> well, well, at the same time, telling us why they should win this bubble cup. It's a great it's a great <laughs> point on your part, and and I can tell you right now, in my mind, as I'm sitting there on the metal bleachers watching however many practice watched, I'm going through. You know, uh, free agency lists and budgets and whose payrolls what, and thinking to myself, you know, Robertson and um, Delandria and Harley might be on this roster next year because you know what? I don't know if they're going to bring a Corey Perry back or an Anton Hudobin back or you know whoever else they have, Andres Sekera. 
you know, and you're like, okay, so then is it time to go to these kids? And then now then you start getting ready for these games and you look and you go, yeah, but, you know, you you could really use Anton Hudobin. You can really <laughs> use Corey Perry. So in my mind, and I think they should know this. I don't think they do. I don't think they think this way. But I don't know that this team is ever going to be together again this way. And so this is your chance. This is, you know, you've got veterans. You've got players who have done this in the playoffs before, and they're not getting any younger. And even your core players no. aren't getting any younger. There's and you're 13. like, how about this nugget? There were 13 players on the Stars that are older now than they were when the season stopped. <laughs> oh, because they've all had birthdays. Yeah, 13 That's guys had birthdays. That's funny. From 21-year-old Miro Haskin into 36-year-old Joe Pavelski. Yeah. And and so if if I'm in that room and I'm in that hotel and I'm the leadership group, I'm looking around going like this it this is your chance. If you want to win a cup in Dallas, let's do it right now because there's a really good chance it's a much younger Dallas Stars team next year. And you know, so so grab this. Go, go, go. And and when you look at that second period, you're like they could do this. Oh yeah. They, they really have that style, that ability. They like so we're watching all these games, right? And I'm talking to my daughter about you know making passes off the half court to get out of the zone with speed through the neutral zone. And you watch the opponents of the stars, and this happens all the time. They try to make that pass, and it gets tipped, or it hits off a skate, or a guy gets it, and there's Blake Como right in his face. And they don't get through the neutral zone with speed a lot of the time because the Stars are that good defensively and that good on the forecheck, and they make the game so hard to play against that you can be a really good team and you can't get anywhere against them. But they just have to do it for at least closer to 50 minutes than the 40. Yeah. Well, you handled that well. You little little happy, little sad in your <laughs> diatribe there. The uh, Yeah, I mean – Look, there's tons of teams that are the same way. Like you, you sit there and you're, you're like, okay, well, this part of it's great, and that part of it's not as good as it it should be, maybe, or as good as that other team. But there's this other part that's that's pretty good, and you're in this you're in this tournament, and and that that's the round robin aspect of it right now, which I'm struggling with. <laughs> I'll just say that. Should should the round robin be treated like playoffs or like really critical regular season games? Because I, I, I think it's the latter. I, I don't know. I, I have a tough time thinking that that was a playoff game last night because you're not going to play that team again right away. And it doesn't, it doesn't really have any heavy ramification whether you blew the lead or, or not. I mean, yeah, I mean it, that's the key. It, it might it it might kick uh, guys off internally or roll eyes or you know peeve stars fans off. You know, here we go again, seen this movie before or something. Although we really haven't seen that much this season. I think it only happened one other time um, where they were up by a couple of goals and then lost in the third. So uh, I just I, to, to me it just looks like. Uh, when you when I would go into a tournament as a kid, and your idea was okay, we're going to play everybody here. You you want to you want to make sure that you you stay in gold bracket or whatever it is, and then the elimination stuff started, and it was one game eliminations. And even when they get to the elimination stuff, 
it's going to be best of seven. So, you know, for us to have to uh, do vocal gymnastics to try to tell everybody, yeah, these these are playoff games statistically, but they're round-robin games realistically, and they're being played with regular season rules. <laughs> NHL 2020. <laughs> I was watching the Washington-Tampa Bay game, and I'm going, like, oh, this is going to be a great series. I'm like, oh, it's not a series. Yeah, no, it's a one-off. <laughs> it's a one-off. It's a shootout. Like, you know, what are we doing here? God. Dang. Anyway. So what, it, what was it's the, an odd new world. <laughs> well, it, it is, and it, it's why it's why we shouldn't – hey, look, again, if, 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 if we shouldn't get overly sideways on – the way they played in the third and lost the game, then we probably shouldn't get overly exuberant about how they played in the first two periods. Yeah. Right. But at point. some point it's got to mean something. And this, this is what we talked about when we were sitting around spitballing over at Fox after the game was that I'm, I'm a firm believer and I haven't seen it uh, uh, where, where it goes into the drain and it doesn't mean anything anymore the idea that winning begets winning and and losing is a habit as well. And at some point, this team needs to win a hockey game again. I don't care if I it's agree. an exhibition game, a regular season game, a round-robin game, whatever it is, they have to win. They, they you know, Ben Bishop hasn't won a game since my birthday on, on February 13th. And, and this team has lost now the last eight games they've played. So as much as none of it means anything, and it, you're correct in saying that, at the same time you're wrong, because I think it does mean something. It's, you can't flick a switch. I don't think you can. They yeah. can prove me wrong, but I've seen it in past where, man, you think you can just flick a switch and, and you play with your food and, and uh, lollygag your way into something, and then, bam, all of a sudden you're looking up at the ceiling. It's like, what happened? Yeah, Joe Pavelski had a, a, a small little comment that uh, it really hit home with me uh, in the postgame last night where he talked about when that puck went in, there was a, a weight lifted. There was a confidence that the team got. And we talk about it all the time, and then they just kind of poo-poo us, saying, oh, we don't think that way. We're going to score. We know. We got confidence. And then he says a puck deflects in off a skate, and that changes how we look at the game. And I believe that's true. I believe that's what we talked yeah. about, that it really is true. And yeah. he admits it right there that when that puck went in, whew, we were like, okay, a goal, finally. And I think it's the same thing with the win. Like, you know, they need that. They need they, – if they go in – Yeah, they to, need to win a game. It's yeah. great. They, even the game against the Rangers, remember they were on the long run of being shut out. And then they lost. They were down 4 nothing. And but they managed to score a couple of goals, and you came away from the game going, well, at least they score, right? right? So then they get shut out again in the exhibition game, and they come into this one, and not only do they play great, but they score, and you're like, okay, you, you know, they, there you go, they they score. Unfortunately, they're playing like it's a three-two league, and it's a four-three league now, <laughs> and and uh, they you know they got caught just standing around in the third period and lose the game again. And uh, I, I just I strongly I strongly feel that they, they need to win a game. Yeah, they, they need to hit the the L column. What was the mood up there? I'm curious, Totsi, after it. 
How, do, how does it work after the game's up there? Definitely doesn't feel like when we were talking about comparing this, like is it playoffs, is it regular season, how should it be treated? Mood, mood wasn't as if it was a playoff loss. No. 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 I mean, sure, they were upset, uh, had a lead and all that, but does it, it, it still feel like, like it's sort of a high-stakes exhibition, if there's such a thing? Yeah, I would say that. And I, I would say the mood was better than, than after the Nashville game, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, well, it should have been too. They, they right. They played well for most of the hockey game, um, yeah. but I mean, I mean, I was reminded again last night with Colorado on the horizon here that the, this this doesn't mean as much as it it would have back in the regular season when you were trying to avoid that matchup uh, be, because of the the divisional uh, system for regular Stanley Cup playoffs. But they, that's changed. It's just the top four seeds. It's got nothing to do with the division. And uh, because of that, you're you're going to get one of these other teams in the opening round no matter what, which is an advantage for the top four seeds. Right? Right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> my, my question my question to, to Tosi uh, in our uh, Jeff Tosi bubble report, uh, tell us one thing that we should know about that we don't know about that is going on or has gone on up there? For sure. I will speak to my one area of expertise in this, and that is shooting uh, uh, video and audio with regards to filming hockey. And in the bubble at Rogers Place, it uh, really – the lack of fans is interesting. It's very – it's less busy visually when you watch highlights from ice-level shots. It's really interesting to see players up against a completely neutral backdrop. Now, obviously, there's the big digital boards. But do, you think it, do, you think, do you think that helps isolate it, the player no. in the picture or, or not? It's just, it's just different visually. Yeah. I, like, I like both styles. I like when you see a player score and all the fans stand up. Mm. Right, and this is kind of the opposite of that. It's very, very clean. There's such cool separation from the players on the ice to the from foreground to background. So that's interesting. But then the really interesting part is uh, audio-wise. When you're in the arena, and, and I know some reporters have talked about this and we've seen raw videos, and I guess it should have been expected, but you hear everything, even up on the suite level watching a game. You're hearing coaches yelling on the bench, players chirping refs, refs giving it back to players. It is fascinating, and it's worth going to any of the non- I've been going to the other games, and it's just interesting for that element, literally hearing everything going on. I heard that they, after the exhibition games, they started pumping what we're hearing, like that ambient uh, hockey yeah. arena noise into the actual arena during the game. Is that right? Yes, but that's not – it's like – But it doesn't level with what's being shouted down there. No, they're going to need to turn up the decibels <laughs> on that if – because you're still hearing things, and it's very – and obviously the only people in the arena are associated with other teams and working the bubble. Uh, but from a fan's perspective, if you were at Rogers Place for any of these games, it would be quite quite fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could they turn the audio up more, or would it, would it mess with things even – I think that – 
I, I'm assuming they're going to do that. I think there's still, I mean, the round robin and exhibition was all just figuring kind of out audio yeah. levels and all that. So I assume they're going to keep tweaking it and mic it louder. But so I'll far, say I've, this. I've been enjoying it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I'm still somewhat in awe of all of it, that this is even going on in August in Toronto and in Edmonton, like just to sit here and watch these games and watch them get covered, uh, knowing how we're covering them for the most part, enduring some of it on television here in the States, but I also have an iPad. Uh, I do though miss the the passion of fans and yeah. those electric atmospheres in the playoffs. Like I, I, it's missing something. It's a little bit, it's a little bit, robotic or something if i don't i don't know if that's the right explanation of it very sterile yeah yeah that's what it is like yeah, it's still I, it's still good it, it it can still get going and you can still get lost in the game but it just doesn't seem organic at all it really doesn't right and you compare obviously like a three goal three goals in a couple minutes from yesterday versus a similar onslaught against Nashville last year in the playoffs at American Airlines Center, you couldn't have two different atmospheres, you know? Right. Or that, you know, flip it around, that was a Vegas home game last night. Right. So could you imagine them, could you imagine that third period at T-Mobile <laughs> if the Stars had that lead? And, uh, oh, my God. It, the, the roof would have went off in there. And I, I, I missed some of that. Same thing. Uh, if you know if that game's played at American Airlines Center, you're right. Place is going nuts when the Stars' offense finally finds itself there in the second period. So that they're they're never ever going to replicate that in this. Uh, we had some fun on the broadcast with the fact that anytime a goaltender or goal scorer does something uh, really well, it, it it their their likeness and their name is is beamed on every one of those big screens in the arena. And it's, it's, it's sort of science fiction-y. <laughs> yeah, sim- similarly, guys sitting in the penalty box, are just, they're up there for like a minute to, to nobody. <laughs> it's great. They cut, to the, they cut to the penalty box camera every time. Do they? Yeah, they do. And they're on every screen in there? Yeah, just up there. It's great. <laughs> Look at, looking at themselves. Oh, man. Talk about guilt. But in terms of this atmosphere, I am curious, Razor, what the last two games have been like for you guys from Las Colinas during the studio broadcast. Well, the the lead up to it is is tough, you know, because you're you, you're so used to the uh, rhythms of warm up and the sounds and right. some interactions with fans. You know, it just feels like an event. Uh, this doesn't really feel like an event. When you go over into, speaking of, of sterile and antiseptic, like it's sterile for a reason over there. You're indoors and you check off all the boxes on your on your COVID sheet and everyone's wearing masks from room to room. Uh, you, you have a wall of monitors in front of you and a desk, but you're really just staring at a wall. Uh, it's it's weird, but once... Once the actual game goes and our, uh, you know, they, again, Jason Walsh and everybody at Fox have, have done an incredible uh, job for us in, in creating this, this little environment or cocoon of commentary. And with it, 
you you get lost. I mean, there's there's a big massive screen that you watch what's going on on in the actual game coverage, and then you you have the ability to on on my desk anyway. You have one one monitor that that is just our camera. We have one camera we can control. So that one wow. camera, uh, we we can shoot whatever we want in there. But then there's also the laborious uh, avenue of getting it into the broadcast when you're trying to follow along with with their broadcast uh, that they're producing up there and listening into their cues. Like it is, it's a lot of people talking at once, and it's very much uh, uh, sort of feel it out talk about whatever is coming up in, in front of you. So you have to be on your toes that way, but it, it really does. You get lost in it when, when the game gets going, the audio is so good for us. And I, I think that really makes or breaks it for a broadcast. Like for sure. I went for, I went for a walk today at the beginning of the Leafs uh, Columbus game. And I was listening to the radio broadcast, Joe Bowen and my, my old partner, uh, Jim Ralph. And they had no audio whatsoever. They, uh, they uh, like rink audio in that. It was just the two of them. If you've ever heard like Eminem rapping where they have it separated from the actual track, like the, the beat, and right. he's, just, he's just laying it down in the booth, it's the weirdest thing on earth, right? Like you, you have a rapper who's, who's in there and, and he's just throwing down his, you know, his, his, uh, his poetry – and with that, the uh, it, it just doesn't really flow. It it doesn't seem right. And then you throw the you throw the beat um, and you throw the rhythms on that thing, and and there you go, right? And it's the same thing with this. And it's doubly that way when you're calling the game. Like you have a tough time replicating any kind of energy and excitement when there's no audio whatsoever. So thank God they've done just an incredible job uh, piping that into us so that it really does feel like you're, you're at a game. You visually, you can see that there are no fans audibly though, in our headsets, it feels like you're in a rink. Have you learned anything from going from Nashville and then all throughout the game there uh, yesterday? Uh, in our broadcast and your broadcast. Just on, uh, on how to deliver things. And yeah, I mean, it, and, you tried. And how do you, how do you find a play that you want to point out? I mean, that, that to me seems like that would be an incredible. Well, you don't, you don't. It, and that's that's where it's a, it's a real severe adjustment for me because a lot of times I can I can basically drive the boat, in, you know, with what we're because it that's what makes it it seamless is you're in you're in contact with your producer and. You don't know when the whistle is going to stop, but when our play is going to stop and there's going to be a whistle, but when it happens, you have something and you know what's coming. And then it's just like, bang, bang, bang. And in this case, it stops and you're not really sure you start talking, but you're talking and watching. And in our scenario, when we're covering the game, I can start talking and Mark Vittorio, our director can follow me. Like he can listen to me and he can get camera guys to who I'm talking about or what we want to talk about. In this case, we're, we're, uh, we're at the mercy of, 
of the production in, in Edmonton. Yeah. I, I will say this, like the Canadian broadcast, and this isn't a big slight on NBC, but the Canadian, Canadian broadcast wants to cover hockey. They want to cover the game. And NBC sometimes wants to do uh, NBC stuff and go in between the glass and show that they have a guy there and all, you know, whatever other things they want to do. So we, we benefit on our broadcast from having the Canadians uh, producing and directing the game in Edmonton. And for me as an analyst, I can pretty much assume where they're going to go with replays because I've done it for so long and, Mm -hmm. and I I'm anticipating a kind of Canadian show and that, that has helped through, through two games, but man, it it is, it, it is really, it really puts you off balance for, It'll get better. I think you said that before, Mike. That the longer, you know, the more games you do, the more comfortable it'll be in in doing it this way. And who knows, you know, down the road we might be doing every game this way. So we should we should get good at it and uh, and figure out what works and what doesn't work. I enjoyed it. I I actually was weird, but I enjoyed it. I was going to ask you, Razor, just a random thought. Do you see this having like this? need to do broadcasts fully remote like you guys do right now. Do you see this impacting broadcasts in the future in terms of how many people team travel and how many oh, people yeah. you have on site? Oh, definitely. The, yeah. I, I, I told our people years ago, this is coming even before a pandemic. And, and now, uh, now that it's necessary, you're seeing that it's doable. Well, it's what it is, is it's a, it, it's a logical marriage uh, between technology. I mean, 20 years ago, you couldn't do this. It would be awful. Uh, you'd be in, you know, you'd be in standard definition, trying to figure out what's going on, calling it off of uh, like a tube television monitor, like, and the ability to, to feed this many broadcasts uh, out, out of, uh, out of those two uh, cities and those two buildings. I mean, you, you just, you couldn't do it. And so, technology allows us to do this and do it, I, I think, relatively well. Uh, and then coming out of this and what they're going to always look for uh, in our business and in our sport, you know, it, it is, you know, how can you do things as well, uh, but cheaper <laughs> and less expensive, right. Right. right? Like it's how dual feed started. You know, it used to be where, if we were doing a game in uh, in Vegas, we would go into Vegas and we would have our own production truck and they would have their own production truck. You know, j- just think of the cost to have two full studios, essentially. Uh, and we're, we're both doing the same game. And so then they figured out, why don't we do these dual feeds and, and we'll stick both productions in one truck. And they split the truck, reconfigured things. So they only have to drive one truck in there. Bingo. You know, and it, it's like I, I told somebody the other day, it, it's like when we had to condense the season because of the Olympics. And I remember thinking, you can't make these athletes play every second day. Like, you just can't. It's going to hurt the product and blah, 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 blah. But what happens is the players prove that they can play every second day and the product doesn't get hurt that much. And all of a sudden, then it's carte blanche to condense the schedule and, and make these everybody go uh, 15 games in 30 days, right? 
So it'll be, I, I anticipate it'll probably be similar in this regard. They're already doing it with the Olympics where depending on where uh, the Olympics are being held in time zones, why would you, why would you send an entire crew over to call games in, uh, you know, Bratislava at four o'clock in the morning when it's going to air in North America, when you can just take that feed, the world feed, which is what we're taking right now uh, and call it off of, uh, you know, great big monitors and wonderful sound back in your studios in your own time zone. So there you go. It's coming probably maybe, maybe not everybody, but I, I suspect they will at least start with the technical people and right. and the idea that uh you know you you'll you'll do your own uh home games probably and you'll be responsible big responsibility for those people to put out the broadcast properly because you're you you know your compadres are are trying to pick up your feed and do their show off of what you're giving them and they will be back wherever they're at uh doing their show and you'll be doing your show from the actual arena like we always do. So I, I could see that happening as as we go forward. But it's like, you know, it's like anything. Once you prove that you can do it, uh, then they go, well, you did it there. You, you did it in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You can do it in regular season games. And I suspect it's coming. you think there'll be gotcha. any improvements from these broadcasts as far as camera angles or things that you're going yeah, to be able a, to try? I'm a little disappointed that they're – they haven't been more creative with that. Like, you know, I, I was being a bit pithy in the, in the studio when we were watching the other games together. And I was like, watch this. And, and there's, there's a camera called game camera, which is our main camera. And it just sweeps back and forth. And it's been the same camera for, I think, 75 years. I'm sure Foster Hewitt called games, <laughs> game camera swinging back and forth. And, and I'm just like, man, I, I think it could be done better. And everyone always said, well, you can't put a camera here. You can't block seats. And I understand that our fans are our most important uh, thing. And, uh, it's, you know, they, they pay the freight in our sport. And we want to give them – we already put up nets to, for them, for their safety, but also for them to have to look through. Well, there are no nets. There are no fans. They could stick cameras anywhere they want. And it just feels like it's still a little too conservative – and old school covering these games in that manner than it really should be. But maybe they're getting used to what they have at their avail up there as well. Yeah. It's interesting just watching football games and, and, you know, seeing those flying cameras that, you know, dip down on the field and get pulled up, you know, 50 feet in the air. And well, there's a camera, there's a camera, I'm sorry, Mike, but there's a camera that I have seen before. And I thought for sure they were going to try to use it in in uh, these bubbles where they, it's essentially mounted up uh, and it runs on a, on a cable f- from maybe blue line to blue line or top of the circle to top of the circle up and down. So instead of your game camera being static and swinging back and forth or pitting its view, your camera would actually slide on a rail. Because that's how our game is played. Our game, yeah. our game goes this way. It's like a fl- uh, flock of birds. It'll go this way, and then it'll go that way. And then it'll go this way, and then it'll go that way. And the problem with the, the game camera and staying on it as much as we do now is that the, when, the, when the play goes against 
the du- direction that they're swinging the camera, then it, it, it creates this sort of swim to, to the broadcast. And it's terrible. You should never do that in, in television. And we have the technology that can wipe that out now. It, 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 it shouldn't be. And when I hear people say, well, you know, it, it's always it's, it's tough at times to watch on television. I love, I love going to the games, but on TV. Well, there are no excuses for that in covering these playoff games in Toronto and Edmonton right now. They should be, they, they, they should be pulling out every stop and, and sticking cameras everywhere and giving us uh, a different look at, at these things, I think. But well, and maybe I, they're I, under the gun to just to just cover the games since they have to do six of them a day. That's true. <laughs> I, was gonna say that I know that drones are dangerous and everything like that, but if you ever want to oh, experiment with drones, and especially in stoppages of play right now, yeah. who are you going to hit? There's nobody in the building. You're going to no. bounce off a tarp. That's what I if mean, though. goes wrong. I, no? I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. That, well, how, how there's not a drone in there that they that somebody's flying around even if it's just for going to break or or, you know some different shot but it's it's game camera it's the two robos up above the net it's two net cams it's the camera at center ice yeah it's the same thing and and i i just i was really hopeful that it was going to be earth shaking and groundbreaking but it hasn't been that way uh, so the games themselves and the players are going to have to be the, the truly <laughs> compelling part of this. That and storytelling, as they always tell us. <laughs> tell stories with the 11 seconds you have on every whistle. <laughs> what have we thought of the games? Finally here, and then we'll move on. Too much television talking me. Uh, I loved them, actually. I mean, yeah. again, I miss hockey a lot, but, boy, it just goes to show you how exciting uh, hockey can be. I mean, just, just put people out there, you know what the rules are, and, oh, look, they're scoring with one-tenth of a second left. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's a great game, and, and if you let great players do what they do, uh, it can be very, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I, I, think, it, I think it's been fantastic, and we're, we're tip of the iceberg with this stuff right now. Yeah. Like, the, the playoffs haven't really even – Begun. Now we, we have some elimination games in the opening round, and that's when it gets it gets real. Uh, you know, you're already in game three in elimination games uh, in that round, and then we move on to to the actual Stanley Cup playoffs, the full best of sevens. Can you imagine a, a team coming out of this uh, qualification round? You have to win 19 games to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking at a Chicago or whatever. I mean, they were 12. Like, they're yeah. getting a chance to just come out and do something incredible. Yeah. And, if, you know, if they really – if they could win 19 games, I think they – you know, obviously anybody would take that. But it, it's just – it's like an opportunity to do something completely different. And, and not to say that, that players ever get tired of the same old, same old, but, I mean, that's a team that was, in my opinion – just fading into the sunset. Yeah. And now you're giving it a chance to say, Hey, maybe, maybe you can do this. Yeah. We'll see. The, uh, I, I was thinking the other day, I, I feel a little bit for the, the, especially the veteran players on the seven teams that aren't involved in this. Like as much as they might be enjoying their summer, they, they have to be looking on the outside, just going, man, I, I kill to be there. Yeah, I think uh, some of the Buffalo reporters were 
were tweeting out like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm reading all these tweets from training camp. Yeah, that must be nice. Yeah, I mean, well, just imagine. I mean, you're you're a guy. Uh, you've been in the league. You're thinking this is up for grabs this year. You're in your 30s. Uh, you, you may be in your mid 30s. Uh, early 30s, you, you're wondering, you, you know, never going to have a chance to be a part of something like this ever again. And you you just have to be a spectator, not knowing when you're ever going to play again, like when yeah. training camps are going to start up and you're going to be a part of this. Like it, I, I feel for them a little bit. But as far as the action in Toronto and the action in, in Edmonton, man, I, I'm locked in. It yeah. is all day with me. I change it up. I, I watch a little bit. On television, I watch uh, or I go uh, either on a walk or I'm in the car and listen on radio. And it's just, it's terrific. It's surround sound. Well, we can't have so too long. much. It's an orgy of hockey for me. <laughs> so, Cozy, everything all good up there for you? Going well. Just enjoying ice apps on the regular. <laughs> There's too much sugar in those. Don't <laughs> drink those. They're delicious and they're free. Well, yeah, they're delicious. They're dessert. <laughs> Tell the people what they are. No, no. Uh, Ice Cap is is basically the Canadian Frappuccino from Tim Hortons. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good way to explain it. <laughs> it's a coffee milkshake that uh, should be consumed with breakfast. It should be a dessert. <laughs> Aren't uh, most breakfast items dessert? Pancakes, Do you know how, donuts. Do you know how much sugar is in those? No, I don't think I want there's, to. There's... There's more sugar than caffeine. I will guarantee you that. <laughs> oh my God! But they are addictive because sugar they is are. addictive. Come on, Take shake Canadian that. beverage. Double, just drink the dark or get a double double. Way you go. And Timbits, have you been smoking those? I've been trying not to too often, but well, you uh, can't have you can't have an ice cap and Timbits, or you will go into sugar shock. That's brutal, right there. Yeah. Well, I'm done my uh, Corona uh, premiere. You can hear that. That is empty. And uh, I, I don't think I have anything else to talk about here. We've got to move curious. on. I'm very curious to see what they can do tomorrow. Uh, We're always curious. I know. Rick Bonus switched up the lines again today. So now Rope centering uh, Ben and Sagan. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 going to be something different every day. And, and I do think what the – that first game taught me is is you're right. I mean, until they actually get to real games where they could their season could end, um, this is just it's really nice. It's fun. It, it's it's not real playoff hockey yet. No. Uh, so we no, we no. need to no. we need to tamp down our expectations and and look at this realistically and and uh, hope that the boys uh, can uh, find just, a little consistency. Just listen to the words of of Rick Bonus. I remember he he told us. Prior to the pause, he doesn't like to call the NHL season a grind. He likes to, to call it a journey. Yeah. And, man, this has been one circuitous journey that, that they have been on, and we need to continue with that. Forget about the the negatives and what just happened and live in the now, and it should be a, a phenomenal game, uh, both of them, really. I, yeah. I would suspect, the, the, especially this one, though. The, the, the game, it's, it's a tipper game, right? Yeah. Like if you lose this game for Dallas, I mean you're not the likelihood of you moving up from your seating is n- not very good. Right. In a three-game round robin, and uh, for Colorado who have already won a game, you win this one and you're setting yourself up 
for getting the best seed that you possibly could. So um, I I think, I think it'll be a dynamite game and uh, we'll see whether the uh, goalie interference stuff gets called properly or not. And uh, (laughs) which we didn't even touch on, but (laughs) no, I was going to ask you one Razor. What do you look at the Kudobin Bishop thing? Like, do you have to play Bishop tomorrow or, or in one of these games? I'm not Bishop, but Hudobin. Yes, you do. I think so too. Not, not, he he not didn't just, tell us today that he would, but I'm assuming. Not just because, not just because Anton Hudobin needs to just get some action. Anton Hudobin deserves to play a game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they. It wasn't his fault they couldn't score down the stretch. He he gave he gave him good enough goaltending to win, and uh, you you've talked all the time about how you have two guys you believe in. Uh, you got to back it up in, in this scenario too. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think he should, he should play a game. And Ben, you know, this was average last night. He, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't awful. He, he had a real strong stretch there when they, they built their lead. Uh, I think he, at one point he stopped like 22 or 23 in a row, but, uh, Again, it was four goals against and a loss. So uh, I would suspect that we'll see one of them in each of these final two round-robin games. And obviously, uh, Rick has tons of confidence in you, for obvious reason in uh, Ben Bishop. He's had him before and in Tampa Bay, and he's seen what he did last year in the playoffs. Uh, he's your number one guy going in, but you, you have two guys that can win games for you. What's it take for Anton to play I mean, in a regular game? Is, is it just a bad performance, an injury, or you know what if what if he really is spectacular in one of you know against Colorado? You know, is there a chance he gets a number one start or the first start in the first playoff game? Yeah, that almost. That's, look, if, if if you want to look in recent history at when the Washington Capitals won the Cup, look how that thing started. Yeah, you know, like it, it, this isn't. This isn't the 1990s where you have a legit number one guy that is just your guy and you ride him through the whole thing. Uh, you, you need you need two guys, whether it's through injury or uh, a mental rest or or whatever it is. Uh, it, it worked, you know, that worked out. Yeah. Uh, and in in the end, it was the other guy in there. But in the beginning, it was the other guy. So it, it's it truly takes a a village, Mike. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm just curious because from a goaltender standpoint, I mean, I I understand what you're saying about Rick. I mean, he knows Ben Bishop. They've known each other forever. Ben Bishop started almost every or played almost every second of the playoffs last year, and then yet you look at Hodobin and think, you know, how can we not use this guy when well, he led, has an opportunity? He led the NHL in save percentage. Yeah, and uh, in in some ways that that can be really difficult when when you have to be a backup and you, you get a lot of those starts and you, you know, where it's tough, your team's tired or you're coming into partial games off the bench and you can really have your goals against and your save percentage and your stats messed up on that. Cause you're playing, you know, you're playing partial games. And if you just give up a couple of goals, it, it can destroy your numbers. And he posted a nine thirty save percentage and he looked terrific in camp. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's not a controversy at all. I mean, it's a luxury. Yeah. And when you have a luxury, you should use your luxury and and go from there. So I, it'll be in, interesting how they how they do it. it. It really will. I, I have no answer for you. I, 
I know they talk. Jeffrey, boy coach, uh, Rick Bonus. Uh, they come. They have a plan. Uh, they have uh, conversations about w- w- the way this is going to go. But every time I've ever asked Rick about things, he, he is steadfast in his belief in in Ben Bishop, and yeah. it's always Ben Bishop is the number one goalie. And ben will start, and Ben, Ben, Ben. So uh, that should give you some indication on what way they're leaning. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the other thing they always say is that if we have to go to Hudobin, he'll be ready. Like it, whatever well, yeah, we do to him, he'll be ready. Yeah, like we sit him for five games, <laughs> he'll be ready. And you know, they they really do seem to have that belief in him. Yeah, it's you know, in in Anton's world, he's he's probably his worst enemy in that regard yeah. because uh, he he proved that you you can sort of forget about him and. Uh, leave him to collect dust for a while, and he comes in and he doesn't look like he missed a beat, uh, which is a, a marvelous asset, but at the same time, it keeps you on the bench a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not like, well, geez, you know, he needs to play a little bit. No, he doesn't. He, you yeah. can go long stretches. Whereas sometimes when you have young goaltenders, you do need to get them in there. You can't, and especially if they have a bad performance, you can't let it fester for a couple of weeks and then hope they keep their confidence and throw them back in there again. But with with Hadoven, it doesn't seem to really matter. Uh, but it'll be an hey, look, it, it, that will be an incredibly important position for this team that is not going to all of a sudden manufacture a ton of goals uh, to have you know, you know near perfect net minding uh, game in and game out, no matter what the name is on the back of them. So yeah, I agree. He is a luxury, and and he might be a needed luxury. All right, Tosi, I tried to end this like 15 minutes ago. I know Mike. Yeah. Mike had his own stuff. Yeah, this, was well, the best, this was the best part of the whole podcast. People waiting around to be no, on because it's no, the best it wasn't. part. It was, it was you telling us uh, how the the Stars are going to win the Cup, but at the same time <laughs> uh, get dismantled. That that was my favorite part. <laughs> they, they need to realize <laughs> this is it. No! Oh, Totsi, enjoy your ice caps up there. I will. And everybody will. out there consuming rinky-dinking, enjoy the round robin. Cause it doesn't have a